daughters, sisters, and wives. They're gonna change our lives. Eat women, eat girls. They'll make a better world. Invest in Now here's your host, Catherine Gray. Welcome to this week's episode of Invest in Her. I'm your host, Catherine Gray, the founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. And both of those, of course, are designed to help fund women. Speaking of funding women, we have on the most amazing guest today. She's a she angel. She's an angel investor. She is uh, uh, one of the uh, partners at um, the uh, Elevate Venture Capital. Uh, and she also helped start four companies, built them up, sold them. The amazing Anna Shukla. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, Anna, um, there are not a lot of women in the venture capital world, not a lot of women that are angel investors, certainly not a lot of women that have been in that arena and, and helped build up companies and, and sell them. So I am super excited to talk to you about that today. Um, I always love to first have people get to know, well, what is the background of this person? How did they go on this trajectory? You know, because so many people want to follow in your footsteps. Uh, so you, you had shared with me that you were born in India. Is that right? That is correct. I was born in India. <clears throat> oh my gosh. So tell me that story. How did you make your way here to the U.S. and get started in the venture capital and, and, and the, the world of uh, investing? So I came to the U.S. actually for a visit with my dad. <clears throat> and he was a businessman who was traveling the world over. And um, we arrived in New York City and he was going to be there for a week and then back home. And uh, I really And how old were you then? I was 18, barely 18. I had actually graduated college already. And um, I kind of went a little bit early. And, um, you know, I came here and I wanted to really, it was the first time, my first time out of my country, let alone in the United States. And I really wanted to spend some more time. So I had some relatives who lived in Ohio, in a small town in Ohio called Youngstown, Ohio. And they said, well, you come stay with us. We have a really big house. And uh, in week on weekends and on vacations, we'll take you out. We'll show you the country as much as we can. We'll drive there and so on and so forth. So I decided to do that. And of course, everybody was very busy. They, they had four children. They were also you know, busy. And they, I took a class at the local university, Youngstown State University. And, um, and, that, you know, and then I basically loved it. I loved the class that I took and I liked what I was doing. And so I decided to do my MBA. And um, the, the management, the head of the management department actually was teaching the class that I took. And so he gave me, and he liked my work and he liked my questions in school. And so he gave me a full ride scholarship wow. uh, to the MBA program there. And, and I became a graduate assistant. I was teaching classes and, and that's how I um, ended up in the United States. And literally two days after my graduation, I got a job in the Silicon Valley at a chip company. It's the only chip company I've ever worked for. Um, and I came here to the Valley and I've never left. Wow. And what chip company was that? It was a company called California Micro Devices. And it's since been sold. I think it went public, first of all. 
and then had a long, you know, I was there for four years. Uh, after that, it, it eventually got acquired by another, like a publicly traded company. So when you witnessed that, did you say, wow, I want more of that. I want to be part of that. I want to be on the ground floor of that. You know, I was fortunate enough to be part of some really great teams for the next, you know, three, four positions that I had. Uh, and I worked with really smart entrepreneurs uh, who were building these companies. And I watched them very closely and I was very inspired by all of them. And I think that's eventually led me to say, I'm ready to do this myself now. And I started um, uh, my first company, which was a company called Rubric. And now, now, how did you how did you start that? Because, you know, there's a lot of people like you're saying that are looking at you and just in awe of all that you've done and saying, you know, I want to I want to build up my company. Uh, where do I begin? So how, how did you get the financing and build up that company? I mean, what you did was amazing. I, I, I you know, this is that the one that sold for 400 million or. Yeah. Yes. I mean, hello. I mean, we're not talking about a little company here. You built up this huge company. Um, how did you go about doing that? How did you get the financing? And, you know, when you moved here to America, you you just decided this is what's for me. You didn't want to go back to India, I take it. And 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 so how did that how did growing up in India also impact, you know, what you did here, which was just miraculous. Because a lot of people are born here and they'll say, oh, it's impossible to get funding and it's hard to build it up. So what's the secret sauce? Well, I, um, uh, you know, my parents and my father especially was a great influence on me. So he really encouraged us to get a good education, read books, you know, make our own way and, uh, and, and respected our, you know, wishes, whatever we wanted to do. And he was the one who brought me actually to the United States and encouraged me to pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. He never and wasn't said, it unusual for a man from India to be so encouraging to his daughter? I think he thought I was very bright and that he wanted to give me an opportunity. Yeah, um, but, but it's not always that way. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's the girl, you know. So that's cool that you had a, a father that really believed in you like that. Yes, because you always did. I was a big, uh, I was very rebellious and, uh, and I, 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 broke every, I broke every, you know, <clears throat> curfew that my mother ever had for me. Uh, <laughs> and so he did realize that I had the spirit of independence. And so he encouraged it because I think stifling it would have had the wrong effect. <laughs> uh, so he did bring me here and he said, you know, see if you like it and come on back home. But when I said I want to study, he thought that was a good thing. I wanted to do my master in my MBA. And he said, okay. And he actually helped me in the beginning until I got the full scholarship. Right. Uh, you know, to, to be here. So I think that was one thing that he really did encourage me to make my own way, whatever that may be. He never said you have to come back, you have to get married, you right. have to do this, you have to do that, which are sort of the typical paths. Right. Have. You know, he just said, okay, if you're learning, if you're having a good time, he encouraged me. And so I think that was one of the things. I was very, um, I, I really liked the independence that I was having, you know, that I was, you know, I was, I was working for the first time. I'd never worked. We, we came from a pretty comfortable background. And uh, my father was a CEO of the, one of the largest bicycle companies in the world at that time. Wow. And, um, and, and so we had, you know, we didn't have to work. 
Um, and so, you know, me just getting up and teaching a class and having responsibilities as a graduate assistant, working in the library, and just sort of hustling as a student, that right. you know, really, because the rupees in India don't go very far <laughs> as dollars in the US. <clears throat> so, you know, it really um, encouraged me to, you know, I, I really like that. I saw here in your notes that you also you studied it, uh, did some study at Harvard too, right? No, I went to, and I did not. <clears throat> I actually um, went to school at a college called St. Stephen's College, which is one of the top liberal arts colleges in right, the, right. India. And it is an affiliate college of the University of Cambridge. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so, so now back to the question, how did you get the funding to start this business, build it up and, and sell it for $400 million? Like, tell us that story. That was an amazing story. And even I have not been able to repeat that myself. Um, so I was actually a very successful and recognized uh, vice president of marketing, B2B companies, software companies. And in order to be successful, I had built a little system for myself. There were no um, enterprise software for um, marketing uh, in, at that time, which was in, in 1997, 98. Um, there, no, there was no software. There was software for sales. Uh, it was a company called Siebel Systems that was building Salesforce automation. There was software for customer service, which multiple companies were doing customer service, ticketing, you know, for enterprises. There was nothing for enterprise marketing. So I felt that customer relationship management had three legs, sales, marketing, and customer service. I was marketing and there was nothing for me. And there was something for my counterparts. Anyway, I built together a system where we would keep you know, uh, track of who our customers were and how we interacted with them, how we got them, uh, and then how we nurtured our relationship with them until they were ready to buy a considered purchase that takes a long, longer time. Mm -hmm. And I had created a system to do that. And that's what I codified into the first enterprise marketing automation software with workflow that I think the industry had seen. Since well, would that then, have been similar to Salesforce? It was similar to Salesforce, but it was for marketing. I and, see. Yes, so it was, as, as I said, it was part of the CRM puzzle, right? Right. And it was something that I had used myself. And now I was able to build it for myself, like for my function. Mm -hmm. And then I took it to my peers, which were other VPs of marketing at companies like Cisco, Hewlett Packard, General Motors. Wow. And I said, would you like to use this? And they loved it. They really liked it. They liked the fact we had some concepts in there, like lead nurturing, right? We called it continuous relationship marketing. Now it's called drip marketing and so on and so forth. I do want you to know that when we went out with this concept uh, to Sandhill Road to, to get money, a lot of the investors, not all, but a lot of them sort of said, marketing automation, isn't that an oxymoron? Marketing is an art, not a science. And I'm like, no, no, it is a science. Right, um, right. I have to treat it like a science because I have the biggest discretionary budget in my company, right? right? I have the biggest budget to spend and then I have to justify that I'm spending it correctly. And so I came up with a concept of closed loop marketing where you could actually track what you spent and what sales it resulted in. That was my analytic dashboard, yeah. right? So other marketers who are in the same position as me who were there to help sales, 
you know, they really appreciated the concepts that I had put into our software and they bought it. In the first year, I sold 25 different huge enterprise accounts and our revenue already hit 10 million. And then I was projecting 25 and 55. And this was in 1999. So you can imagine things were a little bit heated up. Mm -hmm. And I had just raised about $13 million, 13, okay? And so we were at a stage where we could raise a lot more money and uh, keep growing, or we could um, look at the marketplace and see what opportunities were were there for us. As you know, at that time, the market was getting very frothy in 99. People were getting, you know, sock puppets funded to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And so, you know, I took a look at the marketplace along with my team and I said, you know, more and more we're seeing the customers, big customers are saying, I just don't want to buy just marketing. I want to buy all of it. I want to buy sales, customer service and marketing, and I want it all to communicate. So it was kind of the vision. And I said, so either we as a marketing automation vendor have to build sales, have to build customer support, or we have to become part of somebody else's suite. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So literally five or six companies unsolicited mostly by us came and started to make overtures to buy our company. And we sold it for 366 million to one of those companies. Wow. And at that time, you know, we had a lot of doubts. At least many of our board members did. They were like, you know, and, and we had, you know, we had got funded at what, eight pre. So selling at 366 in 18 months, I thought that was a good return. Yeah. But remember, it was like the frothy 99. And people thought, well, if we keep going, you know, we'd be worth a billion dollars next year. Right. And I said, yeah, but next year, these five companies that are newly public won't be trying to buy us. Right. So we'll be competing with them without two of the things that we need to compete for the enterprise marketplace. So there was a, a bunch of discussion, but we decided to go ahead because uh, it's, you know, it was a very good offer. It was a very quickly closed in two weeks, two to wow. three. And then there was a secondary tied to the closing where all the investors and anybody who was allowed could divest. They could sell the shares in a secondary offering. Uh, the secondary offering took place two days after we closed. So boom, there was a liquid cash event. Uh, you know, shortly after that, it was 2000 and the whole market crashed as you right. know. Yeah. Like May. So we looked like geniuses because we <laughs> sold at the right time. We divested at the right time. Many of our competitors who had gone on to raise money to the tune of 80 to 90 to hundred million dollars they, they didn't actually survive. They crashed and burned, yeah. Um, when you uh, raised your 13 million even to get this started, did you go to angel investors or did you go to venture capital? You know, I'm not very good with angel invest, investors. I had no, you know, experience with that. Right. Now it's funny because I'm an angel, angel investor myself. Right. But I had no experience with that and with other angels and how to approach them at that time. So I went with just a PowerPoint slide deck, I went to VCs. And I must say that the VCs at that time were willing to take the risk. I think what I find with venture capitalists right now, even though who say that they do series A, they expect you to be much further along. They don't fund unless you're a very, you know, unless you're a very known entrepreneur and known to them in particular, 
uh, you know, I think people prefer to see some proof that you're, you know, you to mitigate some risk for them. Like you have a product, you have right. a couple of users using it and they love it, right? So you may not have scaled and your product may not be fully done, but you have enough proof points where you can prove that, you know, there's, a, there's no technology risk and there's no, you know, market, less market risk because there are people already adopting it. And, you know, for those people listening that maybe don't even uh, understand what you're talking about, like the Series A means they have to be kind of far along, be making money. That's how most venture capital uh, considers. But now you work with Elevate uh, Venture Capital. Now, do they do they uh, welcome uh, startup seed capital? Yes. So we are a seed stage investor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a mission. So we have a mission based, which is why I joined Elevate uh, as a uh, venture partner, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the mission is something that I really believe in. That we really want to serve those underserved founders. I those- love that. And it's elevate.vc if somebody's like a needing seed capital in their startup. And basically you focus on tech, right? Uh, yes, we B2B. So we don't really do B2C. We don't have... Uh, our GPs, that's not their experience level, mm-hmm. uh, but they're very good at B2B, having all been successful entrepreneurs themselves. Um, and so our focus is B2B technology mm-hmm. and or technology enabled service. And um, we, we only, um, I mean, we, we, we like to serve the underrepresented founders, which is, you know, uh, African-American, mm-hmm. uh, women, Latinx. Wonderful. LGBT, mm-hmm. uh, so that's the community we look. Um, yeah. We look for, and so somebody came to me the other day. They had a gaming company, and you know the entire management team was white as driven snowmen. <laughs> hey, what <laughs> <And> a surprise! <laughs> they were very good, and they had great credentials. But I'm like, did you read our website at all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, right, right, right. So. We don't make the cut. I'm like, well, there's so many things open for you. We're just, uh, we're a small fund, a reasonable size fund that is trying to serve these underserved founders. That you is what I would have told them, Anu. I would have said, hey, how about get some diverse women on your team? How about that? And come back to us. That's what I would have said. <laughs> your company would be so much better for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, you know, we did work together for a long time. And I have nothing against them, but you know, it's not our mission. Like, right. There are many people that you know are just absolutely would love them, and I'm sure they'll do fine. But for us, you know, if we don't if we don't stay true to our mission, what's the point? And that's the reason that I became a venture partner. I was actually an active angel investor. I just gone into angel investing. I was investing in tech companies. I'd invested in two companies. One was LGBTQ, and one was a, a woman founder. Uh, and uh, s- several more. And I was limited in some of the Sandhill firms uh, that I had worked with as an entrepreneur. So I just gave them my money and let them invest it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was nice. I was getting involved um, and it made, it, it fit in perfectly with Elevate's mission as well. So that's kind of the, the scope that I decided to adopt at this time. I love that. You know, uh, I think you will agree with me that there aren't enough women that are angel investors and I'm kind of always carrying that torch, trying to say more women need to look into being angel investors. What is it that you love about angel investing? And, you know, 
for me, I think, isn't it exciting to see all the incredible innovations that women are coming up with? Uh, so is that why you invest in, why you're an angel investor? Because it's very exciting to be on the ground floor of these cutting edge technologies that uh, women are inventing? It absolutely is. So it's really nice, first of all, to be able to help women um, because they are underrepresented still. They're underrepresented as angel investors, as venture capital partners, and as entrepreneurs. So all three. So if you can help them in any way, and, and you know, our company, our, the VC firm that I'm connected to doesn't do B2C most often. And so even when I run across companies that are consumer, I try to help them in some way by connecting them with other investors or mm-hmm. other angels, or just offering some help in terms of development of their business or their ideas. Right. First of all, it's really nice to see women that are, uh, you know, that are stepping out and taking the risk and actually doing this because many of them don't. Um, and then to be able to help them uh, is really interesting. And then they have really good, interesting ideas. And we know that they, they execute. We definitely find when there's women uh, or a diverse team that they perform better and they, um, they have a, a better governance. They have you know, so many things that we appreciate about uh, women and their management styles. And, and, so- and basically, I just think underdogs always try harder, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Underdogs definitely try harder and they are also very, they have a good emotional intelligence and uh, good governance. And that's, those are the things that I like. So I like to be um, involved with just great ideas and great teams. And so this is a great way of doing it. So uh, somebody's out there, they have a tech product. Uh, they're looking for an angel investor like yourself. Um, what is it really that you look for in that entrepreneur? You know, I look for, you know, I look for, um, you know, how, you know, how thorough their work is, right? Like what are the, you know, how far have they brought the idea along? Not in terms of like it's fully developed and we're, you know, uh, we're raking in money. Of course, we like that too, but just, uh, you know, just like how well have they thought through, how well do they know the competition, how, uh, how well is their idea differentiated, how well they presented, how they're able to attract customers, how they're able to attract team members and how they're uh, able to have an open mind and learn, right? Yes. Uh, because you know, if you come in thinking you, you're the only one who knows everything and nobody else does, then you know, it's gonna be hard to help you because you already know everything. Right. Right. I mean, the whole purpose uh, is not just to get the angel investors to invest their money, but their contacts, their expertise, you know, that's the golden value of it, you know. Yes. And so I I do have a lot of contacts and good networks and I like to use them uh, to help entrepreneurs. But if they don't follow through, then it's kind of disappointing. I lose interest. Right. And then. like elevate.vc where you're a a, a partner at that venture uh, venture capital firm where we know, uh, you know, women typically get less than 3% of venture capital funding. So thank goodness there's more venture capital popping up like elevate that, like you said, are focusing on funding women and uh, uh, people of color and, and the underdogs. And, and, you know, it's so important that we, that we fund 
everybody, not just you know the the white men that have been getting the funding for years and years, ninety percent of it. You know, uh, it's you're 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 a perfect example of that. Here you are, a smart woman born in India. You know, uh, you know what are the odds of you getting funding and building this? And had you not got your funding and built up this amazing company, uh, you know that that software wouldn't have existed. So it just goes to show what we're missing out by not funding these women. So um, I'm also glad that your venture capital firm is, you know, uh, different in that you you are looking at uh, seed capital for startup companies and not just ones that are already soaring and doing great. So that's that's an amazing niche as well. So I think what you're doing with Elevate is super special. And I hope we see more and more venture capital firms pop up like that. Um, I also want to uh, say I'm so glad that you're a female angel investor. Like I said, we don't have enough of them. If someone wanted to become an angel investor, there's a woman out there that says, you know, I want to be involved in this, but where do I begin? Where would you suggest they begin? How do they, how do they step into that world? I think that one of the things that I would recommend is, first of all, um, you know, they can, um, they can advertise the fact that they're interested in angel investing. You know, whether it's through LinkedIn or through, you know, whatever, you know, interviews and stuff that they give, they can say, I'm interested. And you, they can also state their criteria. Like, I'm interested in companies like this. This is the area that I know. And they can get the word out a bit, just personally. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing they can do is join an angel group where they, um, you know, like invest in her, right? Um, or um, I work with Thai angels, the Indus entrepreneurs. They have an angel group. That's how I got started. Uh, because I really like my peers and I like their background. And we're able to put together a, a good, you know, a funding, do, do, uh, you know, help each other with due diligence, have teams. So we have, you know, a pre-screening committee, we screen the ones that we want to present that, you know, it's like a whole process and it's mm-hmm. well thought through and other people are helping you. And, you know, if we see, well, wow, this is like, uh, you know, software of this kind, or this is, you know, a CRM software, or this is AI software. We have in our angel group, we have people with that expertise that right. we can tap into the due diligence. Hey, why don't you do the due diligence here? And then you, if you go in as an angel group, then, you know, even your small check looks like a really big check and you have influence. Mm-hmm. And we're able to uh, offer some advisory services and get, you know, uh, you know, additional compensation for that. And the advisory is just about helping the entrepreneurs and connecting them and things like that. Right. And so, so you think like Google angel investment groups, go attend, become yeah. part of it, learn from them. Yes. Uh, I, I say it's better than, it's like the new book club. <laughs> Instead yeah. of going and reading books, go and hear pitches of amazing female entrepreneurs that are help changing the world with their ideas and right. get behind them. It's a, it feels good. Plus you can make money as, as you know, yeah. uh, right. So there's like really no downside to it. It's all positive, like women helping women. Right. And also, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> angel, angel list has uh, a bunch of rolling funds, right that you can get involved with the, with a small commitment. So you can actually get an angel list group together or join one. I know several um, that, you know, you invest like maybe $5,000 a quarter. And there's so many other angels that you're able to 
get into some really good deals, even with that. Right. Like, so you're, you're pooling your money with other people to make it more effective. So you don't have to have a hundred thousand dollars, but that 5,000 that you were maybe going to put in the stock market might better serve you to get into the ground floor of a company before it goes public. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you, you do get to see a lot of deal flow. So, you know, I'm in angel, angel list, uh, you know, um, syndications, I am in the Thai angel group and another angel angel group. I also see personal deal flow. And then, you know, there's a part of me that, and of course, as a venture partner, I'm looking for deal flow from various different forums in different parts of the country to bring to my partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, I'm kind of like always a deep at heart, like I still have that operator in me. So I've actually co-founded a company called Botco AI with a female co-founder and another and another co-founder that I work with at on, with Rubrik. And Barco AI is in some way I get operationally more involved as an executive chairman to actually build the company and help in the seed stage uh, where there's a heavy lifting to be done to get the product market fit, product recruiting, all that stuff going. So I try to keep my operational roots alive because I like right. those as well. Right, you like being in the game, don't you? Yeah, I do. And building it up, sell it. And that's uh, that's like an uh, something that you're uh, marketing to doctors and hospitals and thing for like um, uh, mental health, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. So what we have is basically the next generation of, Uh, marketing automation, chat marketing, we call it intelligent chat nurturing, where we're using artificial intelligence and, um, you know, marketing workflows on messaging channels like chat, web chat and messenger and other platforms like that to allow enterprises to engage with their customers in a conversational way and add that layer of interactivity. And yes, our absolute focus, especially during the pandemic has been physical therapy centers, senior living centers, uh, health and wellness centers, um, and uh, behavioral and mental health addiction centers. And so those are the people that are benefiting from, you know, the efficiencies that come with actually giving your visitors, your website visitors and your prospects exactly what they want without having to search for it. Right. Move them in through the funnel to get to a point where they're ready to make an appointment ready right. to buy something or ready to talk to a counselor. Right. And it's so interesting uh, being such a smart businesswoman that you here you had this idea and then with the COVID, you, you, you pivot it to make that technology fit this circumstance, right? Yes. I mean, one of the things that venture capital will tell you is that we love companies with focus, right? Because you can't really boil the ocean day one. And so it's good to focus. It's good to focus that directs the energies. Yes. We have a, a, a finite number of resources. You want to be really good at what you're doing. You can always branch out, right? Uh, but you have to start somewhere. And uh, we found that because of the pandemic, this was a sector that was actually hurting for yeah. that digital innovation and that digital front door. Everybody, you know, people weren't walking through. Yeah. An actual physical front door. Everything was virtual. And so right. our technology fit right in. Perfectly. You know, um, it's uh, I, I love hearing about what you're doing, and especially in that AI space, because it's uh, so cutting edge and 
forward thinking and it is the future, but it is now uh, and, and you're among the first. So that's very exciting. Um, and I appreciate you sharing about um, Elevate.vc because there are startups out there that are um, women and people of color that need some funding. And I hope if they have a great tech idea that's B2B that they'll be seeking that out uh, to pitch to you guys. And uh, also, Anna, where can they find you um, on social media? Uh, you mean my uh, on Facebook or what do you mean? Yeah, I'm not yeah, very- I'm not Facebook, ha- Twitter, Instagram, any of that? Yeah, you know what? I don't do much Insta, and I have all of those profiles, but I'm not very active on Twitter or right. Instagram, uh, or you know, Facebook is kind of like a more of a personal thing. So right. I would say I, I can still give you my um, my good old fashioned email, and that is like the best way to get hold of me. And so it's anu.shukla at botco.ai. Right. Okay. Great. And, and, and elevate- go there. I, I, you know, I, I have a Skype, Twitter handle, and all that stuff. But I, I don't send people there because I don't check it that often. Of course, of course. And elevate.vc is the website. Do they have social media that they can we can follow? Yes. Yes, they do. Good. So elevate VC. I take it on Twitter and Instagram yeah. and whatnot. Ele- yeah, elevate.vc. You can definitely find us everywhere and follow us. You can start with our website that'll tell you how to subscribe to our Instagram. Same with botco.ai. If you go there, you can subscribe to our uh, Instagram, uh, the company's Instagram and right. and, and uh, Twitter and all that. And then you can Great. Find- so we want to follow that too, botco.ai and see how that can uh, benefit yeah. all of us to utilize that. Sure. Um, uh, thank you so much for sharing all your information and wisdom and uh, encouraging us and inspiring us with just your story. Um, and everybody at home, remember, you can follow She Angel Investors as well on social media. We appreciate you tuning in. Remember to invest in her. Thank you so much, Anu. I appreciate your time. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Our theme music was created and produced by Lindsay Tomasic.